0: Hello, everyone. Do you wish you had someone to talk to about the latest 90 Day Fiancé episode? Do you get frustrated listening to podcasters who chat about themselves or an unrelated topic? Well, this podcast is the answer you've been looking for. We aren't afraid to tell you what we think of the cast or their behavior. Our show is raw and honest. We don't hold back because you deserve a conversation that makes you feel like you've just talked to your best friend. And the 90-day world makes sense again. Welcome to 90 Day Fiance Honestly. Hi Amy. Amy. Hey, this episode of 90 Day Fiance Honestly is about season 10, Episode 4. And before we begin, I'd like to advise all of you who are listening to please hang on tight. It's gonna be a bumpy ride because it seems like everyone is fighting. Two things I wanted to mention before we jump into the boxing ring. Last week, we were asking how old Manuel is because he has two teenage children whose ages we still do not know. Manuel is 35. So it's conceivable that he had a child while he himself was a teenager, but the oldest that he could be when he had his last child was born is 22 because that child has to be at least 13 to be considered a teenager, correct? Right. So how old is he? 35.
1: Uh, So he's not 43, like all the other ones.
0: Not yet. (laughs) The second thing is that we've been talking about Jasmine's latest plastic surgery as being a Brazilian butt lift or a BBL, when in fact, it is a butt implant. She said butt implant many times in the last episode. So I wanted to make that correction, because those two procedures are very different, which I'm sure you already know, right,
1: Amy? I sure do. I sure do. I think it's the difference between having a larger buttocks versus a diaper butt. So I don't exactly believe her because look at what her butt looks like now. (laughs) But maybe it's still healing. I I don't know how these things work. I mean, I've, I've personally seen BBLs in real life, and they all look like diapers. But I've also seen butt implants that just look like larger butts from the last time I saw them. So I'm hoping for her that this is just a healing process and it's going to look better and it was worth the amount of money and the um, aggravation and the fighting. Okay, remember to
0: listen until the very end of the episode for Amy's special 90 day fiance treat It's so fitting because today is Halloween. Oh, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Okay, onwards. Onwards with Gino and Jasmine speaking of BBLs, the fallout from their argument is still happening at the beginning of this episode. So Gino is giving Jasmine the cold shoulder. She's talking to her dog and her sister. We figure out at last, which I've been wanting to know for a while, the breakdown of how the money went down. So $4,000 from Gino, which was the dress money, $2,000 from Dane, and $4,000 from Jasmine herself. So the 2000 from Dane is a loan, which means there are no ties with the money, as in Jasmine is now beholden <laughs> to Dane because he gave her the money. There's none of that. There's no strings. It's a loan, which I'm sure she's more than capable of paying
1: back. Well, so, with her new jobs that she has found. In, yeah. She should be able to repay Dane back in a reasonable time, although it would be good to know whether or not Gino has an income himself to see whether or not she's paying for everything at this point. If Gino's helping out, I feel like her paying Dane back from her own money makes more sense than using Gino's. But we don't know where the income's coming from, but we do know that there is some. So hopefully (laughs) Dane gets paid back. Although I'm I'm pretty sure sure he doesn't really care. Probably not, but I'm sure that Jasmine's going to
0: pay him back in good time as soon as she can. And, you know, there's no reason why I think she should have to tell Gino about the money. If she just gets Dane paid back, pay him back. It's not as if you need to bring up this issue with Gino, who, you know, it's only going to aggravate him and make him incredibly angry, bring up a new argument. Why not just pay Dane quietly on the side? That's your friend. That's your business. And it's done.
1: I disagree. I still think that she should have told Gino to begin with, even though we know it would be, it would cause a riot, just in the face of being honest. But we know with both of these, honesty is an issue, as we see in this current argument.
0: Yes. So the argument takes a bit of a serious turn because Jasmine is talking about wanting to bring her kids to the United States as well as her sister as soon as possible. But she says that she can't sponsor them because she has to be employed, a rule that makes total sense to me. And she probably has to be able to prove that she has a steady income, which means she has to have been employed for a while before she can sponsor someone. And Gino, having quit his job, can't be a sponsor either. So his choice, which as we all know, he made by himself without consulting Jasmine, is affecting all of her family. And we see just how huge this mistake is how selfish it was of him to make it on his own because the long-term effects are far-reaching. It's not just a change to their lifestyle or having to be a little bit more frugal. It's the possibility of getting Jasmine's kids to the United States is contingent on him having a job. So, you could say Gino has effectively pushed Jasmine's chances of seeing her children for another couple of years. Because the only way she could get to see them is to go to Panama, which she can't do until
1: after she has her green card and her travel permit. His lack of forethought and his impulsivity with quitting his job effectively impacts not just him and Jasmine, but her three kids, likely Jasmine's parents, the kids' fathers. His decision has a trickle-down effect, which severely impacts other people's lives. And I don't think he thought about that.
0: Yeah. Well, I was wondering, in fact, if it was almost a subconscious choice of his, because in order to isolate Jasmine, and perhaps use that isolation to make her do what he wants, which is to have his child, this is a way to achieve that, because she will not be able to have her children or family around for a longer time. Maybe she'll feel
1: more open to the idea of having children with him. It's entirely possible. Although if that's what he did that would be extremely disgusting manipulating, and devious. yeah manipulating the situation to get his own way that's i would consider that abuse you know like if she doesn't want to have a child she doesn't want to have a child respect that she's your partner respect it and he knew this from way back in the day so if he's gonna try to pull this now it's just it's gross It's totally gross.
0: And he doesn't usually get his way with Jasmine when it comes to a big issue. As we've seen with the prenup and what was the other one? Oh, the will. Oh, yes. So it's possible that he's going to cave on this one as well and go back to work so that he can be the sponsor. But it just occurred to me that if you wanted to make your wife do what you wanted her to do, and you know that she has a tendency to always win the argument, that this would be a good way to achieve
1: that. Just cut her legs right from under her. Exactly.
0: Gino ha- shows that he has a big double standard of what a lie is in the final scene where we see them having their discussion and sort of making up. And by the way, Jasmine comes to Gino yet again. She's the one who's taking on the, the calm, mature role, which I really, really like. And she explains herself or herself very clearly to Gino, apologized to him. and says that her body dysmorphia is the reason why she's doing all these surgeries. And I don't think Gino understands that concept at all. He says, I like the way you look. I like the way your hair looks. As if that's going to heal her body image, it can't. You need to have more than just a couple of compliments. And I was thinking, if he really wants to help Jasmine heal, Maybe he could save a little bit of his money for her to get some counseling, and then she might stop going for surgeries, and then the problem is solved. But let's go back to that lie thing that I was mentioning earlier, because he was saying that giving the argument to her that his omission of not telling Jasmine that he had quit his job was not a lie, but her omission of not telling him that she had plastic surgery is a lie. So I just was shaking my head going, Gino, 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 you can't do this. But good for Jasmine. She doesn't belabor the point. She doesn't dwell on that. She moves on to the whole body dysmorphia question. And I think that really, if Gino was serious about helping Jasmine, he would send her to a counselor and just get this issue faced rather than always having to deal with these surgeries that come up that Jasmine wants to do. So two things on that,
1: one with the double standard, um, with the lies, this has been an ongoing issue with this couple for a very long time. It stems from the very, very beginning, but more recently with regards to friendships, he's not allowed to have any friendships with any females. And yet here Jasmine is not just gallivanting around with her friend, Dane, who lives in the same apartment, but her ex-boyfriend. So she can have male friends, he can't have female friends. There's so many double standards that these two throw out. They really need to somehow get on the same page and come to some sort of agreement. You know what? It it all just boils down to honesty. If these two could just be honest with each other, that would be that would be very easy. Anyway, so we're seeing Jasmine making some great strides with her maturity and her not freaking out and having crying fits when they have these discussions, which is great. And my next point is regarding the therapy. I think that you're right. She definitely does need some therapy to to work through her body dysmorphia. And I think that Gino definitely does need to have more compassion In general, not just with this, because, you know, the whole not bringing her family over, he needs to be compassionate about how that's going to impact her. He needs to be compassionate about her body images to help understand why she continues to get these surgeries, even though she was already a beautiful woman from the very beginning. I think they both need to do a lot of healing and they're not going to be able to do it on their own. They definitely need professional intervention. So,
0: Yeah, it's really a shame that they only went to that counselor in Panama the one time, and that it hasn't come up again as a possibility for them. But I think that's typical of most couples, they think that we can just go once and we'll address the issues, and then we'll do the rest on our own. It's just not realistic. You need to get consistent, long term help in order to really break these patterns and these behaviors, because otherwise, they're just going to persist.
1: Absolutely. I think they need both individual and couples counseling so that they can heal apart and together and figure out how to bring that healing from the center of themselves to continue to to build this relationship that they've been working on for so long.
0: Shall we move on to Sophie and Rob?
1: No. (laughs) If anybody needs counseling on this show, well, Manuel and Rob, I'm still waiting to see Rob blink. I I don't think I've seen that yet. Like every time he's looking at the camera, anytime he's having a conversation with anyone he's just completely wide-eyed, his eyes must be so dry. Okay.
0: When we go back to meet Sophie and Rob, (laughs) he mentions that he and Sophie have been discussing all his cheating over the past few days. And I really raised my eyebrows at that because the word all implies that there was more than one event unless it was just a slip of the tongue. I feel like it could have been more of a Freudian slip and that Rob may have actually fallen off the monogamy wagon more than once. He seems entirely capable of it, given his self-image. Who really knows? It just really struck me that he said, we've been discussing all my cheating. Did you pick up on that?
1: I did. And I there was also that cutaway of Sophie where she made that comment about how he hasn't been the most truthful and faithful partner. And I was like, oh, here we go. So there seems to have been a complete
0: change in his demeanor. Was it I was asking myself, is this just me? Or has he gone from over the moon delusional in his happy state to a place where everything sucks because he's given off these vibes that are kind of angry and which he seems to be barely in control of. Maybe that's the wide eyed look that you were
1: talking about. I'm not sure. But it it seemed like I agree, again, that he goes from this, having this huge, grandiose personality and view of life to this severely constricted idea of what life should be like, you, you know, the grand proposal and the lack of dancing armoires and, you know, look where they are now. It just,
0: yeah. So they, they're meeting with Rob's sister, Victoria, who's a party planner. So presumably she's going to get involved in helping them plan their wedding. And I just went, oh, run away, Sophie, run away. They mentioned that their wedding is coming up soon and that they don't want it to wait for the full 90 days before going to the courthouse. And this I think is a big mistake.
1: If and Rob, a huge shock to his sister. She's like, I don't even have it in my calendar. Oh, this sister was a bit shocked. So if Rob is pushing for a
0: fast wedding, I can understand why. Because he wants to shackle Sophie to him as soon as he can so that she doesn't have enough time to properly assess how he lives his life, how he treats her. And a quick wedding would ensure that she's going to be too distracted by getting used to L.A. and the United States, living with him his awful apartment, she's going to be distracted by all of those things and not pay attention to the red flags that we've seen in him, like his short temper, his possible cheating, the delusions of grandeur, and the, and the sort of manic-like behavior. I really
1: like that. Delusions of grandeur. That absolutely describes his thought process.
0: So I wish they'd take their time and leave the wedding until much closer to the 90-day deadline in order to give themselves at least a small, teeny-tiny chance of figuring out if they want to be together. Somehow I don't think that's going to happen,
1: though. I hope that she runs away, but the fact that she's been back, like this is now her second time, back to his little trash dumpster, outhouse place. I can't imagine why any person would ever go back to that. And then agree to to stay there just that does not compute. I don't understand that at all. I don't know why she's there. I don't know why they're planning this wedding. I, I'm at a complete loss with with these two. But anyway, yeah. on onwards but, with the sister.
0: Yeah, so it gets even better because the sister asks them a pointed question about children and it seems like they haven't actually talked about it. How many times do we see this on 90 day when a couple uh, of doesn't... all the time. It's so frustrating. When a couple doesn't take the time to really get to know one another and discuss key issues such as finances, children, family, housing, et cetera, et cetera, then they're just fooling themselves about the relationship. And worse, they're setting themselves up for failure because unless you agree on a crucial issue like whether or not to have children, you're heading for trouble. And no surprise here, Rob thinks that they're on the same page about children in his fantasy life and his Disney-like perception of what reality actually is. But there clearly has not been an actual discussion about whether or not they'd like to have children. I
1: feel like they did say that there was a conversation, but also feel like Sophie said something to the effect of, I didn't exactly tell Rob this part about her not wanting to be pregnant, so... Maybe there was just a lack of communication on that part. And then both of them just assumed they were on the same page without having an actual full conversation about it. And then by his sister bringing it up, it just brings everything to a head. And and I feel like this is one of those issues that causes such great divide in relationships in Normal life, but also on this show. It's always a big thing, and it always seems like people don't discuss this, and it just makes me roll my eyes. You guys are planning a future together, kids are part of the future. That's not one of those, oh, we'll decide later.
0: Yeah. Sophie says point blank, she doesn't want to be pregnant. And when Rob hears that, he takes off from the table and leaves, which is yet another fine example of his hot headed nature. And then Sophie talks to Victoria a little bit more about why she doesn't want to be pregnant. And it's clear that she hasn't discussed any of these medical facts with Rob. And for his part, he seems to think that they've talked about children and agreed on having them because he's already told Sophie what names he would choose for the kids. And Sophie is adamant that they've never talked about having a family. It's just so confusing. Clearly, communication is fantastic between
1: these two. I wonder if these are conversations that Rob is having in his own Disney brain. Oh. So he thinks because he's had them that it was a real conversation. So she was in on it. She just didn't know it because it was all in his head. I can see that.
0: I could see that as being the reality. Maybe he had a mental conversation with her or a dream and he thinks
1: that's good enough. Yeah, so maybe he got reality and the dream world or thought worlds crossed. Uh, not wow, not entirely sure, but no. two things: mm-hmm. one, if you're getting engaged, should you not a discuss children, and b talk about severe medical issues that could impact your current life and or future life. Exactly. So they're not mature enough to know that they have to talk about these
0: things, which I understand from Sophie's perspective, given she's only 23. She's still very, very young, but Rob should know better that you have to talk about finances. You have to talk about kids. You have to talk about where your long-term goals are, where you're headed before you walk down the aisle. Like his alternative to this whole scenario of having kids or not is that, if they're not going to have children, he's going to be a player indefinitely. So you really see his maturity level here, because there's no discussion between him and Sophie about, okay, well, what is the reason why you don't want to have children, which you just mentioned? And then secondly, okay, if you can't have children or don't want to risk having children yourself, is there an alternative? Because otherwise, I'm going to go and be a player indefinitely for the rest of my life. Is there not something between those two extremes?
1: Oh, and then he makes that comment, like, if I don't have kids, what is this life for? Some, some, something of that sort. And yeah. Is they, is and then he says even your Beyonce on? and Jay-Z have kids? What? Yes, but they also have indoor plumbing, and nannies, and copious amounts of money, and fame, and stability. I also wonder... You know, if Jay-Z and Beyonce have all of this, how can he compare himself to that when he doesn't even have a bathroom? There are many
0: things lacking in Rob's life at the moment, which I think put him in a position to
1: be a father. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Okay, don't throw up, please. (laughs) It took me a minute to figure out whether or not you were joking, and then I was putting all the pieces together, and as they were coming together, I was like, oh. No. <laughs> so the scene closes with
0: Sophie asking if they can just sleep on it and talk about it tomorrow, which is very mature of her. And Rob, who is still boiling, basically, gets up, leaves with the dog, ostensibly for a walk, but why would you be walking the dog that late at night in the dark in this very, very sketchy neighborhood? So he's, he's just, just, he was taking the dog to the outhouse. He was taking protection. <laughs> Even he doesn't feel safe. <laughs> he's so dramatic. I really can't take it. He's extremes. He's dramatic. He's grandiose. He's fantasy world. This guy could really benefit from having his feet actually attached to the ground for a moment or two. Or his head
1: attached to his body. (laughs) Or that. Either way, some body part is not attached properly. And it's affecting his ability to be realistic and think clearly in a capacity.
0: Yes. I mean, he says, I don't know how she can sleep. She can sleep. This is not the end of the world. It is a discussion that you should have had a long time ago, but now you're going to be having it tomorrow. And if you overcome the differences of opinion that you have when you discuss it tomorrow, you will continue on in your relationship and everything will be fine. You just have to deal with it as a mature adult.
1: And I feel that he's very, very far from that. Yes. I would have to agree. But on just one last point. When he says, I don't know how she can sleep, I feel like that's the reaction of all of her friends and family and all of the viewers. How can you sleep in that apartment? Yep. So how can she sleep at all? Let alone with all of these relationship issues. Poor woman. Yeah, it really I would is. Like to send her some let's send her some melatonin.
0: Let's send her some melatonin, some CBD, some Valium. Maybe some Valerian root tea. (laughs) She's going to need all of it and more.
1: (laughs) Poor Sophie.
0: All right. If we're all done with those two, let's move on to Igor and Nikki, who are still on their drive on the way home from the airport. How long does it take to get from the airport to Igor's apartment? The longest drive ever. So while they're still in the car, Nikki has a trick question for Igor about how good she looks. I just rolled my eyes here. But his comeback was really good. He says, you look like you're from a movie, maybe from a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> With her exaggerated features. He's not wrong. Yeah, I was thinking immediately, oh, Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. Anyway, we find out that the money that Nikki is sending to Igor has
1: been used for renovations to his apartment, which is nice. Yes, I did note that this might be one of the first times in 90 Day Fiancé history, or maybe the second time in 90 Day Fiancé history, where money has been sent to the other partner and the money has been used for what it was intended. Yes.
0: Now, they didn't bring up the subject of plastic surgeries that he's had on her dime, but maybe they will later, or maybe Igor's too embarrassed to talk about that sort of thing on
1: camera. Or maybe it's going to come up later.
0: Nikki almost immediately starts pressuring Igor for sex, and she talks about how the success of her relationship is tied up with intimacy. That's not an unusual concept, but if she's putting everything into that one bucket, it really doesn't seem healthy to me. Mm -mm, And then she proves that when she says that if she makes an advance on Igor and he turns her down, she feels rejected. So it's not just her belief that intimacy is the glue that keeps their relationship together and likely heals any wounds that she gets in it but it also appears that her confidence in herself is negatively affected by a lack of sex as well so
1: that's a lot she's got a lot going on and i'm finding her more and more interesting as as the season goes on she makes some really strange comments that I find her very curious. Like when uh when she's doing her makeup, and she makes that comment, like I've all, I've done my makeup for seventeen years, and I'm going to continue to do my makeup. Mm-hmm. First of all, brings in the whole age question, and how can anyone take her seriously with her eyelashes half falling off? Did you notice that it was like as she was blinking, her eyelashes were like they weren't blinking at the same time, and she's trying to have this serious conversation about how she's going to continue doing her makeup. Are you a makeup artist? No, no, I miss I that. And yet, she's got these windshield wipers that are just <laughs> not—they're not in sync, and it was—it was very, very distracting. But anyway, <laughs> then she goes on to say something to the effect of how she just she wants a man. Really brings into question the age because when they first got together, he he may have been eighteen, he may have been nineteen. She may have been 30. She may have been 40. Who even knows at this point? But either way, she was grooming this poor child. Like if they've been together for that long and she's 47, that's huge. Yes. Um, So she's just groomed him the entire way. And now I think he's realized that he doesn't want to be in this relationship because he, he's a victim and she just keeps pushing this relationship onto him and does not pick up anything that he's putting down he doesn't want to have sex with you he doesn't want to touch you he doesn't want to be intimate with you in any way perhaps there's a problem that you were completely overlooking and it just this whole episode with her she just seemed like i hate to say it but she seemed like one of those incredibly horny men that just could not take no for an answer it was really, really gross to watch.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. If if the gender roles were reversed, if Nikki was the man and Igor was the woman, and Nikki was demanding sex the way that she's doing it now as a female, we would be completely disgusted. It's like when there was that season with Kimbali and Usman, and Kimbali, she was yes. she was pressuring him into having sex. And and everybody was just completely outraged and saying, this is not acceptable. You can't tell a man that he has to have sex with you, just as a man cannot tell a woman that he she has to have sex with him. It's just not on. Mm-hmm. And Nikki is doing the same thing to Igor. I want to get into this a little bit later when we talk about when they go to the park. But if I could just stick with the beauty routine thing for a second, because... I was really, really fascinated by this moment when they were, she was sitting on the floor doing her makeup and saying that it takes her two to three hours to get ready every day. And then I was thinking, first of all, okay, honey, take those talons off of your fingers and that will help to speed things up because those fingernails do not help you at all. And then secondly, two hours every day. Okay, so two hours, seven days a week, four weeks a month, 12 months a year is 672 hours of doing your makeup in one year. And if it's three hours a day, that's 1,008 hours a year just putting freaking makeup on your face.
1: Uh, But when you think about it, like in her defense, very, very, very loose defense. Okay. She enjoys it. It's something that she likes to do. But it also could be part of that body dysmorphia thing where she's just layering on the makeup to make herself feel good. And that is what she needs to do in order to leave the house. I'm not sure one or the other either way, still too, too much time to spend every single day just to prepare to leave the house.
0: I, I totally agree with you that if she enjoys doing it, then more power to her spend four hours a day doing your makeup if it's something you enjoy that much. But shouldn't you also have the flexibility to not have to spend two to three hours every day? Like when Igor says, you know, can't you just go and be more natural and we can just go to the park? You're just going to the park. It's not like you're going out to dinner or to an event. You don't need to look
1: super, super stylish. You're going out to be in nature. Yeah. She snaps and she says something to the effect of, it takes me two hours to look natural. Oh, okay. Which really made me laugh because we've seen her when she wakes up. Yeah. I
0: I don't know how long it takes you to put on makeup. I don't wear a lot of makeup. So it takes me all of 10 minutes, maybe five at the most to just do zoop, 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 done. Okay, I'm out. But I don't really care if I'm walking around without any makeup on. I don't have a complex about, oh my gosh, if somebody's going to see me, I have to go put on my makeup. So I just find it very, very foreign to watch a woman who has to spend such a huge amount of time putting on such massive quantities of makeup every day, even to just go for a walk in the park. Just put some sunscreen on your face, honey. You'll be fine. I wonder if sunscreen is even part of
1: her routine.
0: Oh God, I hope so. Because of all that mess that they made of her nose and
1: stuff, she really needs it. Yeah, that thing Nothing's going to fall off at some point.
0: Okay, so she's doing her makeup and she's talking about how she thinks that Igor wants to mold her and change her because he doesn't enjoy this habit that she has of spending so much time with makeup. Says the groomer. Says the groomer, exactly. Says the person who renamed him Justin. Talk about changing another person. She will not even allow him to keep his real name, Mm -hmm. even though he's introduced himself to us as Igor. I just found that disgusting. All right. So then they go for a walk in the park. Nikki asked for cotton candy and ice cream. And I was like, how old are you? What are you doing? And why do you eat this kind of food if your intent is to make yourself as beautiful as possible?
1: Should, should she not have some kind of respect for a healthy diet if she really wants to look good? I mean, as a treat once in a while, it's fine, especially when it's cotton candy. And <laughs> yes. Especially when it's cotton candy. I mean, I may or may not have a cotton candy maker myself. So I understand the need to have some. Oh, this reminds me of the uh, the Chloe and Christian scene where they go for the donuts. donuts. And I, couldn't, I couldn't even focus on the scene because the donuts just look so delicious. Yeah. But this one, I, I couldn't watch because cotton candy, just like my brain is just like, well, now I have to go get some. So it was just kind of staring at the screen and longing and with also with disgust, but longing for the cotton candy that had not been like,
0: I don't think I've had cotton candy since I was about 11. I can fix that for you. (laughs) Okay, please do. (laughs) So she gets ice cream on her face. And it wasn't clear to me if she put it on her face, or she actually genuinely got it on her face by accident. And then she asks, well, not really asks. she demands several times that Igor lick it off her face. And his response is just so perfect. It's classic. I don't want to eat your makeup.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, Igor, go. And you know, if he took a lick, there would be foundation all yeah. of his tongue. And I, I completely understand that. Nobody yeah. wants to have that in their mouth.
0: So what is it? Does she want to look good and have her makeup on her face rather than on his tongue? Or is she just wanting the overtly sexual playfulness of it in order to titillate her?
1: I think she wants both. That's a good question. Because like, if she wants to have all this sex with him, what happens with her makeup?
0: (laughs) Oh, poor Igor. He's brought a bunch of puzzles to the park. And Nikki immediately goes on her guard. And she thinks this is an attempt to prove how dumb she is. She even says something like, no wonder he was still single at 36. If this is what he does with women, bring them to the park to do puzzles, ouch, why is she slagging off her own boyfriend? It's as if anytime she feels that she might be being attacked, as she is with the puzzles, because she thinks it's some sort of test that she's bound to fail, she lashes out. Only in this case, it's not a test. It's not a criticism. It's just a game. So they can pass the time and chat and have a nice relaxing afternoon.
1: I wonder if this irritated her so much because it reminded her of how young he is. And she doesn't want that reminder. She wants him to be the man that she has tried to mold him into being. And this whole puzzle concept isn't it. So she expected and wanted more, again, without communication. I, I think it's ridiculous. I, I actually think that doing puzzles in the park would be a lovely little date idea because you can yeah. just kind of plug away at the puzzle and you can still communicate and observe your surroundings. And I think it would be lovely if you can chat, you can laugh, you can time
0: each other. You could just have a lot of fun with it. I mm-hmm. don't see it as an affront or an attempt to show how stupid the other person is. It's just playful. Yeah. And Nikki, just wants to throw all the puzzles away and go home and have sex. But Igor, lovely Igor, does not take the bait. And I understand he's gone through all the trouble of setting up this park date with the puzzles and the activities, and Nikki just wants to bang. She does not appreciate it when Igor tries to woo her. Like he's an old-fashioned romantic European guy, and she's just, let's bang. Again, I found that she was taking the situation so personally and starting to lash out at Igor without really knowing what's going on, without stopping to ask a question and say, you know, what is it about this situation that makes you not want to leap into my arms? She starts saying that she doesn't understand how he can control himself when he has such a beautiful woman with him. Nice one. which. it? implies that he's also cheating on her with someone else she just gives any reason at all to explain away why he doesn't want to in this moment sleep with her but it's so obvious to me like he's trying to build the romance and create a mood and nikki
1: just wants to jump his bones it's a complete gender role reversal here again Mm -hmm. um where Typically, the man just kind of wants to jump in with no foreplay. And yet here comes sweet Igor with this super cute idea. And then she just poops all over it because it's not what she wants. And we all know the only thing that she wants is to get laid at this point. Yeah.
0: So he explains it really well when he says that he thinks their relationship is built on soul. And Nikki's definition of the relationship is that it's built on sex. So he wants to build the intimate feelings before they act on those feelings. But Nikki just is beyond frustrated with, with this slow pace and decides to give Igor an ultimatum, which will have the opposite effect usually, because that's the way ultimatums work, and says mm-hmm. he has 48 hours to
1: change Nikki's mind or she's gone. I think ultimatums are just the downfall of any relationship. If you're going to say something like that to someone, you really have to put some umph behind it and mean it. But also, this is just such a stupid ultimatum. Why not work on the actual problems as opposed to the needs that only you have? She's just being so incredibly selfish and it's manipulative of her to try to do that to igor because now he either has sex with her or she's gonna leave so does he want her to leave is he gonna finally do it yeah Um, like what's he gonna do he's gonna say
0: oh okay then let's go back to the apartment i so i am so hot for you right now because you just gave me this ultimatum let's go
1: of course not it's going to make
0: you feel the opposite way. It's going to make you want to retract even further and say, Whoa, lady, I need
1: space. But what if he does give in that gives her the freedom to be able to throw this in his face and to pull it again? Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, like you said, the ultimatum is the downfall of any relationship. And I think they should only be given if you're dealing with something really, really crucial. Like, I don't know, somebody's um a drug addict or an alcoholic. And you say, look, if you can't stop this destructive behavior, which is not just destroying our relationship, but also you, then I'm leaving. That's a legitimate reason for issuing an ultimatum. Just saying you're not in at the same sex pace as I am. So
1: therefore, ultimatum. It's not fair. That's not how this works. No, that's not how things get resolved. That's not how you move a relationship forward. No, I found her to be petulant
0: demanding and immature, especially in terms of emotional intelligence, because she doesn't seem to be picking up at all on the fact that Igor wants to romance. He wants the pace. He wants the mood. He wants to build up to it rather than just jump in.
1: And how many other women on this earth would like, what would they give to have a man like that? And here Mm -hmm. she is having this man and she's basically just using him.
0: It's pretty sad. All right, shall we move on to an yet another sad couple, Manuel and
1: Ashley? Oh, I couldn't. This was so difficult for me to watch. Mm-hmm. Just the the way that they were communicating, the constant fire alarm, and the way that he wore his hat he was so infuriating. <laughs> yes, he was
0: infuriating in this episode. I think he's been that way in every episode since we've met
1: him. But you add on the hat and it makes it
0: worse. I know. I'm not a hat person. I really don't like it when men wear hats unless it's a toque because it's minus 30 outside, especially those baseball hats with the thing and the flat. I don't get it. So Manuel, like Gino, is fond of the what is wrong with you insult. Oh, that's a sure sign that your man thinks you're a lunatic when you hear that. Mm -hmm. It's basically a way to start an argument or end a conversation. What's wrong with you? I can
1: understand his point if his point was about her doing the smudging and her ceremony without the fire alarm. The fire alarm was very distracting. How can you Mm -hmm. relax and center and ground and accomplish whatever she was trying to do in her ritual with that fire alarm? Why didn't she just take it off the ceiling before she started the
0: ritual? She I'm sure knows that this creates a lot of smoke and that the alarm is going to be triggered by it or just simply open a window at the beginning of your ceremony, which is what she did
1: near the end. So yeah, at the end, thank thank God for that. But that fire alarm is just driving me nuts.
0: Yeah, it wasn't fun. It was a very odd scene. And then she comes in with the classic, do you have something to say to me? all Mm -hmm. imperious, obviously fishing for an apology, which is not because of the insult to her witchy stuff, but because of the phone issue, because she feels that she went to a lot of trouble to get it for him. And he's just being insolent and petty about it, not even saying thank you. He wants the phone now, like a three-year-old having a tantrum, but he needs to wait for two days for it to arrive at her house. Why is he being so stubborn about this? All he has to do is wait two days. That's it. And in the meantime, he can access the internet. Isn't that amazing? He could use any one of Ashley's other devices to access the internet to get in touch with his family. What, but a, concept. No,
1: but no, what a concept. But no, he cannot. He has to have internet on his phone. So she goes yeah. out of her way to make it happen. But I am curious as to why she just didn't go into a store. I wondered about that as well.
0: And I thought, uh, like, I'm not familiar with how they do phones in the US. So maybe because it was through her plan or her carrier, she had to call. They don't have stores. I don't know. But that's what where my mind went as well. Like, why don't you just take into a store, pick up the phone, done.
1: Or a SIM card. But I don't know if his phone's locked and you can't do that or or whatever but that part didn't make any sense to me and this whole conversation I just think is so incredibly stupid they were I think they were both being idiots him being a petulant child and Mm -hmm. her just I think it was just her attitude that bugged me so much about it I mean I understand that she was angry but there's just something about her attitude that just really rubbed me the wrong way during that that conversation. Maybe it's because she was engaging with this man wearing this stupid hat in that stupid way. But well, I I have to say I can't stand the way that he
0: tries to worm his way out of a situation. You can completely tell that he's used to getting his own way. And he's used to using his charm or whatever charm he has. He hasn't had to apologize really in the past. Or be accountable for any mistakes that he's made. The way he mm-hmm. tilts his head and he shrugs one shoulder, like I'm always sweet and and innocent, and all of this is silliness. Anyway, it's not a my responsibility. That attitude just makes me want to scream. This
1: is a man child. He's so passive aggressive and rude, with like a hint of misogyny. He made some comment about women. I can't even remember what it was, but there's an element of misogyny in there Mm -hmm. he wants her to do all of the housework and he's the man but she should also do all the work so he can just be a man be a man i use quotations
0: yeah i feel like that's totally cultural i feel like he's he's led a really privileged life in ecuador and not in terms of economics but just in terms of Being able to do what he wants, when he wants, and not have to answer to anybody in the household. Maybe not even his mom. Like, not having to do chores, make meals, take care of kids, that kind of thing.
1: That could also be part of his job, though, because they mentioned that he travels around for long periods of time. So Mm -hmm. it's entirely possible that his employer sets him up in, like, a hotel or an Airbnb or something that has cleaners come in. Mm -hmm. So he's never had to do it himself possibly contribute to his lack of ability to do you buy his
0: excuse that he's missing his family and that's the reason why he's being a jerk
1: oh no i think he's got several side chicks. i <laughs> think when i think that when he travels around and he's at places for certain amounts of time he gets a girlfriend in each one of those places and strings them along so he's got a bunch of them that are going to be like, where are you? I haven't talked to you in in forever. So his phone's going to blow up with all of these messages from all of these women. And that's why he wants to use his phone, because God forbid he hook up his number to her phone, then that that data is going to be on her phone. So it could be a way of him avoiding her finding that out. Yeah, as a former
0: F-boy, I can totally believe that. He's probably been used to having any number of women and getting from them exactly what he wants and subsequently discarding them without a second thought. Mm-hmm. So he is very definitely exhibiting signs of extreme selfishness and stubbornness, all of which is really disturbing to me. And poor Ashley has to deal with this. So she goes to her sister to go vent about the problems that she's having. And she talks it all up to communication issues. I think that's whitewashing it. I really think there's a lot more going on than just communication. So as you mentioned, the phone could be like he talks about it as being a privacy issue, but it could be that he's hiding something else, like another relationship, or a plan for the future that he has that he hasn't mentioned to Ashley, because it doesn't actually include her. And Ashley even says to us that, She's concerned that if things don't work out with Manuel, he's not going to return to Ecuador, he's going to stay in the United States, which would mean that she's on the hook for him for the next 10 years, financially speaking, because that's how those lovely visas work. When you marry somebody, bring them to the United States, you're responsible
1: for them for a certain number of years, and then they are on their own, so to speak. Yeah, he's probably just trying to hook her because I still believe that let me say that again. He is probably trying to hook her. I wasn't calling her a hooker just to clarify <laughs> um because he's still an f boy so his his entire attitude and his approach to each one of these conversations and or arguments is all about getting what he wants, but no compromise because, as you said, he's so used to getting what he wants. So he's just continuing to play that game. And Ashley's trying to maneuver around it. And I don't think that she realizes that he's still stuck in that F boy mindset. So she's got to try to get him to break that mindset. Because otherwise, this relationship is never going to work. And he's never going to be faithful. And it's just going to be a huge mess. It would not surprise me if they get married. And he gets his green card. And within whatever amount of time they break up and he tries to do a K1 with someone down in Ecuador. Oh wow. Mind blown. He's got some ul- ulterior motives going on. And yeah, I-, I do honestly believe he's got girlfriends all over, all over Ecuador. And that's part of the reason why he doesn't want her to see his phone or do anything like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some question as to the mother of his children is, or was he married to a or two women at some point? Is there any other relationship that he still has on the go back there? And and that's why he left without telling anybody. All of this is entirely possible. And given what we're learning every episode about his character, I have the feeling that there's something very, very shady in the background. And I want Ashley as a witch to use her intuition, to use her witchy powers, to have some kind of epiphany. Like, I don't know if she needs to summon a creature, or go into a dream state, or cast a spell, or whatever it is. But I feel like I just desperately want her to do something so that she can get a very clear message. This is who Manuel is.
1: Trust your intuition, and drop his ass as soon as you can. As a witch she should be connecting with her angels and her guides mm-hmm. and be listening to them but i wonder if she's so emotionally charged at this point that she's not able to ground properly uh, and can't hear them and or has heard them but is ignoring them good point are you ready for a new couple i think i am yes it's been about time although i'm disappointed that it's not closet mom this is
0: nick Who's 31 from South Korea, and Devin, 24, another young one from Searcy, Arkansas. So they met while they were both in Australia. They dated for two years. And while they were in Australia, they started the K1 process because she wanted to leave and go home to the United States. But because of COVID, they've been separated now for almost two years. And Devon is finally going to South Korea to go visit, but she's only going for a week. What? That's such a lot of
1: travel time.
0: Yeah, such a long way to go. It's for such a short visit. Anyway, Nick explains that as a South Korean, he needs to get approval from his parents before he can get married. So a lot is
1: riding on this trip. But did you notice that when he said he has to get approval from his family, he said, if she messes this up, Mm -hmm. it ruins everything for me. So he's putting all the responsibility on her and I'm assuming he's not going to talk to her about it because, you know, it's 90 day and no one talks about any of this kind of stuff. So he's like, if it fails, it's all on her and he can just blame it on her. Well, you know, you ruined it with my with my parents. That's your fault. It's not my fault. Of course. It's always the woman's fault.
0: The way that that
1: he worded it was. Mm.
0: I kind of like Nick. He was a bit funny when he was talking about how he was going to break the bed of the first night that Devin arrives, I was laughing to myself and saying, I hope you're spending the night at a hotel. Because if you're not at your own apartment, if he even has one, I don't know. Or if you're staying at your parents' house, this is not the way to get permission
1: from them to get married. No. And that would be a damage bill on at the hotel. So I wouldn't advise that. Good point. Also laughed when he was making fun of his Korean Australian accent, and then was saying all those Australian slang terms, and yeah, I, I got a real kick out of that because he said sometimes it just sounds stupid, but I think it sounds really cute. That mixture is something that I haven't heard before, and it, it was neat. It was cute. I didn't think he should be self conscious about it at all. I don't think so, <laughs> but I would assume that being in Korea, people do make fun of him for it there. These guys are so
0: emotional when they reunite at the airport. They can barely speak. They've got tears streaming down their faces. It's so cute. And I wondered if they are going to be our next David and Sheila couple.
1: No. No? Oh, no. Amy, why? Why not? No. I see a lot of Devin and, oh, what was his name? Chahoon? Yes. I see a lot of them in this couple. Oh god, although there is no Drusilla, but just yes, let's see if he's living with his parents and what's going on with that, but I just get this inkling feeling that it's going to be something similar to that. I I think we were really blessed with David and Sheila, but it's going to be a while before we see another one of them.
0: I think this Devon's going to be a lot different from the other Devon because this Devon seems to be introverted and a bit awkward and maybe a bit of a dork. Whereas the other Devon was very much into herself, into looks. I really feel like there's a disparity between those two characters.
1: I'm not saying that they look alike. I am saying that the relationship reminds me of what Devon's was with Mm -hmm, So Fair enough. We shall see what, what this turns into. I just wanted to make a comment about the cultural differences between Korea and the states with his sweet little nickname for her piggy because she's kind of chubby and he even says that he knows that being called chubby is not really a good thing but he still calls her piggy and i mean on on one hand i guess it would be kind of cute because he finds her attractive and he loves her and this is just his stupid little nickname for her but i think he needs to find A new one. Anyway, that was my comment on that.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Okay, now it's time to dish the secret tea. What did you uncover for
1: us this week? Today, we are going to discuss the fact that Igor, aka Justin, is a Nazi and a proud one. At that, I have uncovered photos from, I believe it was March or April, with him wearing an actual Nazi uniform. So, not Halloween. Now we're close to halloween and there were comments on his instagram something about him being a nazi and he defended himself before deleting oh, that's photos that's disgusting you know people on the internet they screenshot everything so there's proof of it so i've seen it from several different sources how disappointing he seemed like such a sweet guy and then i saw that photo and i was like sucks
0: i was gonna say you know at least if if People saw the pictures and called him on it and said, how could you do this? And then he apologized. That would be one thing. But if he's defending his position, saying I have a right to wear whatever I want, or whatever the excuses that he's given, that's
1: another level of racism that I really don't care to travel down and investigate. He he definitely doubled down on it. And it completely changed my, my opinion on him. And I'm very, very disappointed. And I think that it would be in, I guess it's TLC's best interest to get rid of them because this is not something that they should be supporting and spreading out to the world. You know, they should make, make an example of them and say this is not what we stand for.
0: Yeah. And they've, them. they've done that with other cast members before. So if this all shakes out, then yes, they would get rid of him. Wow. That's stunning news. Okay, before we go, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please follow us on the platform of your choice. And if you have a moment, why not rate us? We would appreciate it so much. Thank you. Next week is closet
1: mom. Closet mom. Finally.
0: (laughs) Devin meets Nick's parents. Nikki looks to be exhibiting some very abusive behavior towards Igor. Sophie wants to leave Rob's apartment, but can't. And finally, Jasmine gets a rash, and there's more arguing between her and Gino. So they must have forgotten to pinky
1: promise that day. Maybe it was later on in the day, and then the pinky promise had it had a very short half-life, and it was gone by then. Well, I pinky promised to see you
0: next week, Amy. Bye, everyone.
1: Pinky <laughs> <you>, promise back. <laughs>